0: Chapter 11. Of the Measurement of Intelligence by Lewis Terman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Leon Harvey. Chapter 11. Instructions for Year 5. Test 1. Comparison of Weights. Materials. It is necessary to have two weights, identical in shape, size, and appearance, weighing respectively 3 and 15 grams. If manufactured weights are not at hand, it is easy to make satisfactory substitutes by taking stiff cardboard pill boxes, about one and a quarter inches in diameter, and filling them with cotton and shot to the desired weight. The shot must be embedded in the centre of the cotton so as to prevent rattling. After the box has been loaded to the exact weight, the lid should be glued on firmly. If one does not have access to laboratory scales, it is always possible to secure the help of a druggist in the rather delicate task of weighing the boxes accurately. A set of pillbox weights will last through hundreds of tests, if handled carefully, but they will not stand rough usage. The manufactured blocks are more durable, and so more satisfactory in the long run. If the weights are not at hand, the alternative test may be substituted. Procedure Place the 3 and 15 gram weights on the table before the child some 2 or 3 inches apart. Say, you see these blocks? They look just alike, but one of them is heavy and one is light. Try them and tell me which one is heavier. If the child does not respond, repeat the instructions, saying this time, tell me which one is the heaviest. Many American children have heard only the superlative form of the adjective used in the comparison of two objects. Sometimes the child merely points to one of the boxes or picks up one at random and hands it to the examiner, thinking he is asked to guess which is heaviest. We then say, no, that is not the way. You must take the boxes in your hands and try them like this, illustrating by lifting with one hand, first one box and then the other, a few inches from the table. Most children of five years are then able to make the comparison correctly. Very young subjects however, or older ones who are retarded, sometimes adopt the rather questionable method of lifting both weights in the same hand at once. This is always an unfavorable sign, especially when one of the blocks is placed in the hand on top of the other block. After the first trial the weights are shuffled and again presented for comparison as before this time with the positions reversed. The third trial follows with the blocks in the same position as in the first trial. Some children have a tendency to stereotype behaviour, which in this test shows itself by choosing always a block on a certain side, hence the necessity of alternating the positions. Reserve commendation until all three trials have been given. Scoring The test is passed if two of the three comparisons are correct. If there is reason to suspect that the successful responses were due to lucky guesses, the test should be entirely repeated. Remarks This test is decidedly more difficult than that of comparing lines. H4, test 1. It is doubtful, however, if we can regard the difference as one due primarily due to the relative difficulty of visual discrimination and to muscular discrimination. In fact, the test with weights hardly taxes sensory discrimination at all when used with children of 5-year intelligence. Success depends, in the first place, on the ability to understand the instructions and, in the second place, on the power to hold the instructions in mind long enough to guide the process of making the comparison. The test presupposes, in elementary form, a power which is operative in all the higher independent processes of thought. The power to neglect the manifold distractions of irrelevant sensations and ideas and to drive direct towards a goal. Here the goal is furnished by the instruction. Try them and see which is heavier. This test must be held firmly enough in mind to control the steps necessary for making the comparison. Ideas of piling the blocks on top of one another, throwing them, etc. must be inhibited. Sometimes a low-grade imbecile starts off in a very promising way, then apparently forgets the instructions, loses sight of the goal, and begins to play with the boxes in a random way. His mental processes are not consecutive, stable or controlled. He is blown about at the mercy of even a gust of momentary interest. There is very general agreement in the assignment of this test to year five. Test two naming colors. Materials Use saturated red, yellow, blue, and green papers about two by one inch in size pasted one half inch apart on white or gray cardboard. For sake of uniformity, it is best to match the colors manufactured especially for this test. Procedure Point to the colors in the order red, yellow, blue, green. Bring the finger close to the colour designated, in order that there be no mistake as to which colour is meant, and say, what is the name of that colour? Do not say, what colour is that, or, what kind of a colour is that? Such a formula might bring the answer, the first colour, or a pretty colour. Still, less would do it to say, show me the red, show me the yellow, etc. This would make it an entirely different test, one that would probably be passed a year earlier than the binet form of the experiment nor is it permissible, after a colour has been miscalled, to return to it and again ask its name. Scoring The test is passed only if all the colours are named correctly and without marked uncertainty, however, prefixing the adjective dark or light before the name of a colour is overlooked. Remarks Naming colours is not a test of colour discrimination, for that capacity is well developed to use below the level at which the test is used. All five-year-olds who are not colour-blind discriminate among the four primary colours here used as readily as adults do. As stated by Bennett, it is a test of the verbalization of colour perception. It tells us whether the child has associated the names of the four primary colours with his perceptual imagery of the colours. The ability to make associations between a sense impression and a name is certainly present in normal children, some time before the above-colour associations are actually made. Many objects of experience are correctly named two or three years earlier, and it may seem at first a little strange that colour names are learned so late. But it must be remembered that the child does not have numerous opportunities to observe and hear the names of several colours at once, nor does the designation of colours by their names ordinarily have much practical value for the young child. When he finally learns their names, it is more because of his spontaneous interest in the world of sense, Lack of such spontaneous interest is always an unfavourable sign, and it is not surprising, therefore, that imbecile intelligence has ordinarily never taken the trouble to associate colours with their names. Girls are somewhat superior to boys in this test, due probably to a greater natural interest in colours. Binet originally placed this test in Year 8, changing it to Year 7 in the 1911 scale, Goddard places it in 7, while Common omits it altogether. With a single exception, all the actual statistics with normal children justify the location of the test in Year 5. Bobatag's figures are the exception, opposed to which are Rowe, Winch, Dumville, Doherty, Brigham, and all three of the Stanford investigations. The test is probably more subject to the influence of home environment than most of the other tests of the scale, and if the social status of the child is low, failure would not be especially significant until after the age of 6 years. On the whole, it is an excellent test. Test 3. Aesthetic Comparison Use the three pairs of faces supplied with the printed forms. It goes without saying that improvised drawings may not be substituted for Binet's until they have first been standardized. Procedure Show the pairs in order from top to bottom. Say, which of these two pictures is the prettiest? Use both the comparative and the superlative forms of the objective. Do not use the question, which face is the uglier, ugliest, unless there is some difficulty in getting the child to respond. It is not permitted, in case of an incorrect response, to give that part of the test again and to allow the child a chance to correct his answer, or in case this is done, we must consider only the original response in scoring. Scoring. The test is passed only if all three comparisons are made correctly. Any marked uncertainty is failure. Sometimes the child laughingly designates the ugly pictures as the prettier, yet shows by his amused expression that he is probably conscious of its peculiarity or absurdity. In such cases, pretty seems to be given the meaning of funny or amusing. Nevertheless, we score this response as failure, since it betokens a by the infantile tolerance of ugliness. Remarks From a psychological point of view, this is the most interesting test. One might suppose that aesthetic judgement would be relatively independent of intelligence. Certainly no one could have known in advance of experience that intellectual retardation would reveal itself in weakness of the aesthetic sense about as unmistakably as in memory, practical judgement, or the comprehension of language. But such is the case. The development of the aesthetic sense parallels general mental growth rather closely. The imbecile of four-year intelligence, even though he may have lived forty years, has no more chance of passing this test than any other test in year five. It would be profitable to devise and standardise a set of pictures of the same general type which would measure a less primitive stage of aesthetic development. The present test was located by Bennett in Year 6 and has been retained in that year in other revisions, but three separate Stanford investigations as well as the statistics of Winch, Dunfield, Brigham, Rao, and Dougherty warrant its location in Year 5. Test 4. Giving definitions in terms of use. Procedure. Use the words chair, horse, fork, doll, pencil and table. Say, you have seen a chair, you know what a chair is, tell me what is a chair, and so on with the other words, always in the order in which they are named above. Occasionally there is difficulty in getting a response, which is sometimes due merely to the child's unwillingness to express his thoughts in sentences. The earlier tests require only words and phrases. In other cases silence is due to the rather indefinite form of the question. The child could answer, but is not quite sure what is expected of him. Whatever the case, a little tactful urging is nearly always sufficient to bring a response. In this test, we have not found the difficulty of overcoming silence nearly as great as others have stated it to be. In consecutive tests of 150 5 and 6 year old children, we encountered unbreakable silence with 8 words out of the total 900. 150 multiplied by 6 this is less than 1%, but fateful encouragement is sometimes necessary, and it's best to take the precaution of not giving the test until report has been well established. The urging should take the following form. I'm sure you know what a something is. You have seen a something. Now tell me what is a something. That is, we merely repeat the question with a word of encouragement and in a coaxing tone of voice. It would not at all do to introduce other questions like, what does a something look like, or what is a something for? What do people do with a something? Sometimes, instead of attempting a definition of doll, for example, the child begins to talk in a more or less irrelevant way as, I have a great big doll, auntie gave it to me for Christmas, etc. In such cases, we repeat the question and say, Yes, but tell me, what is a doll? This is usually sufficient to bring the little chatterbox back to the task. Unless it is absolutely necessary to give the child lavish encouragement, it is best to withhold approval or disapproval until the test has been finished. If the first response is a poor one, and we pronounce it fine or very good, we tempt the child to persist in his low-grade type of definition. By withholding comment until the last word has been defined, we give greater play to spontaneity and initiative. Scoring As a rule, children of five or six years define an object in terms of use, stating what it does, what it is for, what people do with it, etc. Definitions by description, by telling what substances it is made of, and by giving the class to which it belongs, are grouped together as definitions superior to use. It is not before eight years that two-thirds of the children spontaneously give a large proportion of definitions in terms superior to use. The test is passed in year five if four words out of the six are defined in terms of use or better than use. The following are examples of satisfactory responses. Chair. To sit on. You sit on it. It is made of wood and has legs and a back, etc. Horse, to drive, to ride, what people drive, to pull the wagon, it is big and has four legs, etc. Fork, to eat with, to stick meat with, it is hard and has three sharp things, etc. Doll, to play with, what do you dress and put to bed, to rock, etc. Pencil, to write with, to draw, they write with it, it is sharp and makes a black mark. Table, to beat on, what do you put the dinner on, where you write, it is made of wood and has legs, Examples of failure are such responses as the following, chair is a chair, there is a chair, or simply, there, pointing to a chair. We record such responses without pressing for a further definition about the only other type of failure is silence. Remarks It is not the purpose of this test to find out whether the child knows the meaning of the words he is asked to define. Words have purposely been chosen which are perfectly familiar to all normal children of five years. But with young children, there is a difference between knowing a word and giving a definition of it. Besides, we desire to find out how the child perceives the word, or rather the object for which it stands. Whether the thing is thought of in terms of use, appearance, size, shape, colour, etc., material composing it, or class relationships. This test, because it throws such an interesting light on the maturity of the child's precept processes, is one of the most valuable of all. It is possible to differentiate at least half a dozen degrees of excellence in definitions according to the intellectual maturity of the subject. A volume, indeed, could be written on the development of word definitions and the growth of meanings, but we will postpone further discussion until Year 8, Test 5. Our concern at present is to know that children of five years should at least be able to define four of these six words in terms of use. Bennett placed the test in year six, but our own figures and those of nearly all other investigations indicate that it is better located in year five. Test five The Game of Patience Material Prepare two rectangular cards, each two by three inches and divide one of them into two triangles by cutting it along one of its diagonals. Procedure: Place the uncut card on the table with one of its longer sides to the child. By the side of this card, a little nearer the child and a few inches apart, lay the two halves of the divided rectangle with the hypotenuses turned from each other as follows. Then say to the child, I want you to take these two pieces, touching the two triangles, and put them together so they will look exactly like this, pointing to the uncut card. If the child hesitates, we repeat the instructions with a little urging. Say nothing about hurrying, as this is likely to cause confusion. Give three trials of one minute each. It is only one trial is given success is too often a result of chance moves, but luck is not likely to bring two successes in three trials. If the first trial is a failure, move the card halves back to their original position and say, no, put them together so they would look like this, pointing to the uncut card. Make no other comment of approval or disapproval. Disregard in silence the inquiring looks of the child who tries to read his success or failures in your face. If one of the pieces is turned over, the task becomes impossible, and it is then necessary to turn the piece back to its original position and begin over, not counting this trial. Have the underside of the pieces marked so as to avoid the risk of presenting one of them to the child wrong side up. Scoring There must be two successes in three trials. About the only difficulty in scoring is that of deciding what constitutes a trial. We count it a trial when the child brings the pieces together and, after a few or many changes, leaves them in some position. Whether he succeeds after many moves or leaves the pieces with approval in some absurd position or gives up and says he cannot do it, his effort counts as one trial. A single trial may involve a number of unsuccessful changes of position in the two cards, but these changes may not consume altogether more than one minute. Remarks As aptly described by Binnett, the operation has the following elements. 1. To keep in mind the end to be attained, that is to say, the figure to be formed. It is necessary to comprehend this end and not to lose sight of it. 2. To try different combinations under the influence of this directing idea, which guides the efforts of the child, even though he be unconscious of the fact. 3. To judge the formed combination, compare it with the model, and decide whether it is the correct one. It may be classed, therefore, as one of the many forms of the combination method. Elements must be combined into some kind of whole under the guidance of a directing idea. In this respect, it has something in common with the form board test, the Ebbinghaus test, and the test with dissected sentences. Year 12, Test 4. Bennett designates it as a test of patience because success in it depends upon a certain willingness to persist in a line of action under the control of an idea. Not all failures in this test are equally significant. A bright child of five years sometimes fails, but usually not without many trial combinations which he rejects one after another as unsatisfactory. A dull child of the same age often stops after he has brought the pieces into any sort of juxtaposition, however absurd, and may be quite satisfied with his foolish effort. His mind is not fruitful, and he lacks the power of autocriticism. It would be well worth while to work out a new and somewhat more difficult test of patience, but with special care to avoid the puzzling features of the usual games of anagrams. The one given us by Binet is rather easy for year five, though plainly somewhat too difficult for year four. Test six three commissions procedure after getting up from the chair and moving with the child to the center of the room, say, Now I want you to do something for me. Here is a key. I want you to put it on that chair over there then I want you to shut or open that door, and then bring me the box which you see over there, pointing in turn to the objects designated. Do you understand? Be sure to get it right. First put the key on the chair, then shut, open the door, then bring me the box again pointing. Go ahead. Stress the words first and then, so as to emphasise the order in which the commissions are to be executed. Give the commissions always in the above order. Do not repeat the instructions again, or give any further aid, whatever, even by the direction of the gaze. If the child stops or hesitates, it is never permissible to say, what next? Have the self-control to leave the child alone with his task. Scoring All three commissions must be executed, and in the proper order. Failure may result, therefore, either from leaving out one or more of the commands, or from changing the order. The former is more often the case. Remarks Success depends first on the ability to comprehend the commands, and secondly, on the ability to hold them in mind. It is therefore a test of memory, though of a somewhat different kind from that involved in repeating digits or sentences. It is an excellent test, for it throws light on a kind of intelligence which is demanded in all occupations and in everyday life. A more difficult test of the same type ought to be worked out for a higher age level. Bennett originally located this test in Year 6, but in 1911 changed to Year 7. This is unfortunate the three Stanford investigations, as well as the statistics of all other investigators, show conclusively that it is easy enough for the year five. Alternative Test Giving Age Procedure The formula is simply, how old are you? The child of this age is, of course, not expected to know the date of his birthday, but merely how many years old he is. Scoring About the only danger in scoring is in the failure to verify the child's response. Some children give an incorrect answer with perfect assurance, and it is therefore always necessary to verify. Remarks Inability to give the age may or may not be significant. If the child has arrived at the age of seven or eight years and has had anything like a normal social environment, failure in this test is an extremely unfavorable sign. But if the child is an orphan or has grown up in neglect, ignorance of age has little significance for intelligence. About all we can say is that if a child gives his age correctly, it is because he has had sufficient interest and intelligence to remember verbal statements which have been made concerning him in his presence. He may even pass the test without attaching any definite meaning to the word year. On the other hand, if he has lived seven or eight years in a normal environment, it is safe to assume that he has heard his age given many times, and failure to remember it would then indicate either a weak memory or a grave inferiority of spontaneous interests, or both. Normal children have a natural interest in these things they hear said about themselves, while the middle-grade imbecile of even forty years may fail to remember his age, however often it may have heard it stated. Bennett placed the test in year six of the nineteen o eight series, but omitted it altogether in nineteen eleven. Coleman and Goddard also omitted it, perhaps wisely. Nevertheless, it is always interesting to give it as a supplementary test. Children from good homes acquire the knowledge about a year earlier than those from less favorable surroundings. Unselected children of California ordinarily pass this test at five years. End of chapter 11 of The Measurement of Intelligence Read by Leon Harvey